Hi everyone, I'm Gary Lewis and welcome to the Geo Podcast. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about oceanic crust. The outermost layer of our planet is referred to as the crust. And the crust, along with the upper mantle, makes up what we refer to as the lithosphere. The lithosphere itself is then broken up into a number of slabs that we call tectonic plates. But we have long recognised that there are two major types of crust that make up the top portion of the lithosphere. They are continental crust and oceanic crust. And today we're talking about the oceanic crust part of the lithosphere. Oceanic crust is really important for our planet because it makes up around about 70% of the Earth's rocky surface. Now remember that ocean levels rise and fall over geologic time. So at the moment where the ocean level is, some of the rocky surface below the ocean is not oceanic crust, but it is continental crust extending out from the continents. Today we're talking specifically about true oceanic crust. The key things to remember about oceanic crust are these. It is relatively thin, between 5 and 10 kilometres on average, and 95% of it is made up of one rock family type, and that is the basalt gabbro igneous rock suite. So let's take a typical piece of oceanic crust and cut it through and look at the different layers that make up that part of the crust. And there are three layers that we recognise. So the very first and top layer is a very thin layer of sedimentary rocks. This layer is really thin near the mid-ocean ridges and gets thicker as you move towards the continents. On average, it is around about three to 400 metres thick. In the deep oceans, these sediments are made up from the remains of plants and animals that are living in the ocean water column. And when they die, any hard parts will sink through the water and eventually make its way to form a sludge of material on the ocean floor. Closer to the continents, however, there is material being washed from the continents by rivers and by landslides and by a thing that we refer to as a turbidite flow, which is where sediments on the continental slope gets pushed up into the water column in some event, and then that denser water full of mud and sand then rolls down out onto the ocean floors. So close to the continents, this layer can be very thick indeed, but when you get out into the true ocean floor, the layer gets thinner and thinner as you move towards the mid-ocean ridges. But don't be deceived. This top layer really is a very thin layer overlaying the true oceanic crust below. So the second layer of oceanic crust is made up of the rock that we call basalt. Basalt is a relatively silica poor, fine grain, igneous volcanic rock And in this case, it is being extruded by volcanoes along the mid-ocean ridges and being extruded underwater. 
this form of eruption of liquid lava underwater causes the lava to get cooled by the water and forms a structure that we refer to as pillows. These pillows look not unlike toothpaste being squeezed out under a tube. The lava pushes out into the water. The water immediately cools the crust of the lava and it forms like bulbous shapes, which the lava will eventually break the bulbous shape and form a new bulbous shape. So you end up with this structure of pillows all laying around on top of each other. We can actually recognize these pillow lavas in very ancient ocean floor rocks. Now, underlying these pillow lavas in this same layer is a whole series of intruded igneous dikes. These are thin, bladed layers of molten rock that get squeezed up under the pillow lavas and are directly related to the extrusion of those pillow lavas. So this layer of pillow lavas and basaltic dikes below them, they make up a thickness of around about two kilometers of the oceanic crust. The third and lowest layer of oceanic crust is the true magmatic version of basalt, which is gabbro. This layer, which can be five kilometers or so thick, is made up of intruded masses of a coarse grain silica pore mafic rock that is cooled much slower and therefore the crystal sizes are much, much bigger than the layer above it. The important thing to remember here is if we took any of the rocks from layer two and layer three, ground them up and melted them and looked at their chemistry, their chemistry would be, for all intents and purposes, exactly the same. Obviously, the thin layer of sediments on the top is very different, but the bulk of the oceanic crust has the composition of basalt. This is important to emphasize because this is absolutely not true of continental crust, where the rock compositions are varied from every sort of rock type that we find on Earth. So continental crust is very varied. Oceanic crust is very, very homogeneous in its chemical composition. So one of the unique features of having 70% of our planet covered in what is principally a layer of volcanic basaltic rock is that those rocks can actually record what has happened to the Earth's magnetic field over time. When molten rock-like basalt is erupted on our planet, some of the very, very fine needle-like minerals that start to form in that basalt as it cools are magnetic and line up like the needle of a compass. So they line up with the natural Earth's magnetic field. They all point, at the moment, north. Not only do they point north, but they also dip slightly in towards the magnetic flux lines. So if a igneous basaltic rock was erupted right at the north or the south poles, it would point towards the poles, but it would dip almost directly down into the ground because that's how the Earth's flux lines work. At the equator, they would point north, but they would be almost flat to the Earth. So they would be parallel to the Earth's surface because that's how the flux lines are near the equator on the planet. This is really important because we can now go and collect samples from the oceanic crust 
and we can see when that rock formed in what direction the North Pole was and how far from the North Pole by the angle of the dip of the needles in the rock. We refer to this as paleomagnetism. One of the stunning discoveries of paleomagnetism is that the Earth's magnetic field has swapped from North Pole to South Pole multiple times through Earth's history. And all of these changes have been recorded in the Earth's oceanic crust. So our oceanic crust is thin. It's made up mostly of basalt with a thin layer of oceanic sediments on the top and a thick layer of coarse grain gabbro below. But the average thickness of that crust is between five and 10 kilometers for 70% of our planet. And the final thing that I wanna mention in this session is how old that crust is. We can use radiometric decay methods to measure the age of these ocean floor basalts. And when we do so, we find that the oldest ocean floors that we have in the say West Pacific or the Northwest Atlantic is around about 180 to 200 million years old. So if you like, the active ocean floors that we have existing on Earth today are only 200 million years old at their oldest points. If the Earth is 4 billion years old, then what's happened to all of the ocean floor that must have formed before then? And this is one of the big questions that we try to answer in plate tectonics. Now, we can find on Earth remnants of older ocean floors that have been somewhat saved from plate tectonic processes. And we can find, for example, parts of the Mediterranean ocean floor that are much, much older than that 200 million years. They're almost double that in age. So again, in summary, oceanic crust is relatively thin between five and 10 kilometers on average thickness. It's made up of three sort of layers, the top layer being this very thin layer of marine sediments. Below that is this layer of basaltic pillow lavas with underlying dikes. And then the very thickest layer are these intruded gabbros, but all of those rock types, excluding the thin layer of sediments, they are all melted down, their chemistry is all the same. They have the chemistry of basalt. These ocean rocks are fairly young in age, almost starting with zero age all the way through to about 200 million years in our active oceans. And most importantly, they currently make up around about 70% of the crust rocks that we see on the surface of the planet. So that's it for this episode about oceanic crusts. In another episode, we'll talk about continental crusts. And then later on, we will talk about lithosphere and exactly what all that means. But as usual, if you want to find out more information about geoscience, you want to listen to another one of these podcasts, or if you're a school teacher and you're looking for activities that you can do in your classroom with your students about topics like this, please visit us at www.geoetc.com. That's G-E-O-E-T-C.com. But for now, keep on rocking. <laughs>